trust that like I was capable of putting good people in my life right like I was capable of picking people that were healthy for me that were positive that that contributed positive things to my life that treated me with respect and that I you know that I didn't have to allow disrespect so yeah learning to trust my decisions and my intuitions and myself in general um was a was a big deal and and the more the more I've been able to do that the more I've realized that like every fear that I have is tied up in lack of trust of myself. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 206. We're Finn and Emma, and today, guess what? We have Gabby back with us. Yeah, if you didn't listen to Monday's episode, I highly, highly recommend it, but not required listening for today. No. But on Monday, we talked with Gabby a lot about her mental health diagnoses and how those have influenced and woven their way into her non-monogamy journey. And she really wanted the opportunity to come back and share the funner, more light side of Gabby. And we did it. We made it happen. And we thought we'd put them out in the same week. And so that's what you get here. In this episode, Gabby tells a lot of super fun stories, and she also does a great job weaving in other topics like consent and boundary discussions and trust, and also first experiences for both her and her husband. Yeah, and as Emma said, a lot of these stories are are fun and lighthearted, but there are some, especially around the consent piece and boundaries, she does tell some stories that we wanted to throw some trigger warnings on. Um, Basically, there were some instances early on where people were uh, doing things to her and she was asking them to stop or told them to stop or physically removed their hands and they kept going. And so there's some really important conversations in there around all, all of the things, trust, consent, boundaries. Um, so we we wanted to just make sure um, if if that would be triggering to you to hear a story about that, that we mentioned that. That happens uh, roughly around the 35-minute mark and around the 55-minute mark. Additionally, in the last three minutes, uh, she talks briefly about being suicidal and some ways that she has learned to cope with that and handle that and strategies around that. So we wanted to make sure to note that as well. And again, that's right at the end of the episode. Additionally, uh, she talks a lot about her husband in, in this episode. Uh, he, she mentioned him in the last episode, and he was upset that she didn't use his nickname. Right. So she uses it in this episode, but she also uses his real name. And we left that in. We cleared that with her. Uh, but we wanted to make note of that, that her using his name was okay, and we didn't violate any consent issues there. I think that is all of the disclaimers <laughs> about this episode. It is amazing. It is so fun. Thank you, Gabby, for coming on and sharing everything with us. We are very grateful. Yes. Before we jump into her interview, we do have a couple of quick announcements per usual. The first is a huge, huge huge thank you to our Patreon community. As always, we're incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. If you're looking for community and looking for um, 
like-minded people to connect with, which is like community, right? Yeah, it's a good definition of community. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> uh, we highly encourage you to check out our Patreon community. You can join for as little as $2 or $5 a month, and you have ongoing chats. We have monthly Q&A calls, lots of exciting stuff. All of the information, including upcoming calls for November, are all on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon button. And if you're also looking for community and maybe that doesn't sound good to you, we're also doing a lot of meet and greets these days. We've done a handful of in-person ones throughout the fall, and we have one tonight in St. Petersburg, Florida. That is October 27th tonight. Yes. From 6.30 to 9 p.m., all of the information on how to sign up and what that will look like is on our website. Uh, Click on the community events tab, and you'll see a link there for in-person events. Additionally, if you're not in St. Petersburg... We have virtual meet and greets. We do. We actually had one last night that was super fun. Well, we assume it was super fun. (laughs) We're recording this on Tuesday. True. And so we're just going to go on a limb and say they've all been super fun. Right. So why would tonight be different? And No, last night. Last night be different. Last night was amazing. (laughs) Thank you to everybody who showed up. And now we confused you all. (laughs) We also have two upcoming virtual meet and greets in November. We're going to start doing one on a weekday and one on a weekend, as long as our schedules permit. So... The next ones in November are going to be on November 17th, that's a Wednesday, and November 20th, which is a Saturday. To find out how to sign up for those, head over again to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Community Events tab, and you'll see links there for virtual meet and greets. One thing to note about all of our meet and greets is they're open to anyone and everyone that are not tied to our Patreon community at all. So just be aware. Yes. And we hope to see you both times. We're doubling it. That's double the fun. Double the fun per month. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> also, other really exciting news. Uh, Finn and I are working on our winter-spring schedule, and we're hoping to do some events in the South and uh, out West a little bit, uh, some in-person, more more in-person meet and greets. So we just want to quickly announce the locations that we're thinking of doing these events in. We don't have details yet, but they will be announced very soon. So we're thinking of doing events in New Orleans, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Phoenix, Arizona, and Southern California, probably in the San Diego area. And then also working our way up the coast of California into Northern California, the Bay Area. We have some awesome connections there as well. So Keep that in mind. If you want to learn more about that or stay up to date on that, uh, you can go again to the in-person events tab and there are links there to sign up for our mailing list so you can be informed as soon as we put all of the details out for each of those locations. Yes. So that is all we have for you here. If you would like to reach out to us, let us know how we're doing. Let us know how you're doing. Head over to our website again, click on the contact us tab and send us a voicemail, an email, or, I don't know, carrier pigeon? Sure. <laughs> yep. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And now, let's go talk to Gabby. All right. Welcome back, Gabby, to the show. We talked briefly about this, um, but we had you on Monday, two days ago. Yep. Slash multiple weeks ago in real time. <laughs> And after we recorded last time, you shared with us that you wanted to talk about the fun side of Gabby and the adventures you've had and this experience exploring non-monogamy the way that you've done it. In the last episode, we talked a lot about some hard, heavy stuff. And so our preference would be to just give you the floor to talk about 
whatever it is you want to talk about, share it however you want to share it. And we'll interrupt with questions. And we'll interrupt with questions. But to kick us off, do you mind reintroducing yourselves for anybody, yourself, not selves. You are just one of you. (laughs) Um, Do you mind introducing yourself for anybody who didn't catch Monday's episode? Sure. Um, my name is Gabby. Um, I identify as a relationship anarchist, um, aromantic, bisexual. I'm tw- 37. I almost said 27. If only it were that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Give myself an extra, you know, 10, 10 years. years less. You know? Yeah. Um, I am married. I have two stepsons that I help co-parent. One I'm not with his dad anymore, but... Uh, he's 18 now, so yeah. I don't know what else should I say. I think that's good. Do you <laughs> mind really quick before we before we completely turn it over, explaining what a romantic uh, looks like for you or what that means for you? Because I don't know that that came up last episode. It might and, not have. I in my yeah. intro last time I forgot to say that I was bisexual too. So you know, clearly I just had a one track mind. I thought um, it changed in the last two days. Thank you. For <laughs> It it's got to change someday, right? It has to change one one day you are, one day you're not, right? Like you, you. There's a day that you recognize it. Yeah, there's a day that I was to say I don't know that I ever wasn't bisexual, but there was a day that I recognized it. Sure, and that's, that's a fun that's story. A to that's a fun it. story yeah. in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> we'll we'll circle back. <laughs> yeah, we'll circle back to all that fun stuff. Um, so aromantic to me, um, I build all of my relationships with a friendship base. Um, so for me, aromantic is simply everyone is my friend and then anything built on top of that is benefits. So like I have purely platonic relationships that, you know, I mean, we might be cuddle buddies and then I have like more sensual relationships and then I have sexual relationships. I have a cohabiting relationship with my, with my husband, co-parenting relationships. But for me, everything is built more on the basis of friendship as opposed to ideas of what romantic, you know, traditional relationship escalator type things, you know, the go on a first date, get Twitter pated, fall in love, get married, have kids, have a house, never, you know, never communicate what either of you actually is. Um, I find that, that sometimes even just changing the language about how you structure your relationships uh, changes how people interact in them. So I prefer to say like, um, I always do friends with benefits and what the benefits are is just things that we decide for ourselves and they can, and they can mirror a romantic relationship. But for me, it's, it's more about intent and not just getting carried away in feelings and, you know, which to me is what a lot of romantic thing is, is, is that I feel in love. I feel this. And, you know, as we discussed last time, when you're someone whose feelings are chaotic, sometimes having a more structured way of organizing your relationships is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a way to like set <clears throat> expectations too. It is. It is. Um, yeah. When I meet people and like we first, you know, go on a couple of dates, you know, you get that NRE and I'm just like, Hey, like, this is my boundary. I'm here to hedonistically enjoy NRE. And then once we hit a comfort zone, we can decide what we want it to look like from there. Like what a a more solid label or like expectation is, but I'm not going to say I'm falling in love or like anything like that because this is an RE, like this is increased chemicals and pheromones and excitement and 
I don't want to make the mistake of, of leading someone on or getting myself hurt because like I'm setting these expectations in NRE state that might not carry through for very long, you know? So you're you're not opposed to falling in love or to having a romantic partner. It's just in the way that you set the the expectation and the boundary on the outset. Correct. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The microphone is now yours officially. Thank you for (laughs) indulging us. Introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So since we, since we, I said that I had a fun story about, uh, figuring out that I was bisexual. So I was raised really religious. Um, and my, and my parents didn't preach about being gay. Like I didn't even know that gay was a thing. Like I grew up in a small town. My dad was a minister, did not even know gay was a thing. Um, when I was probably about 14 or 15, I got a hold of one of my dad's, uh, hustler magazines that he wasn't even supposed to have. And, um, it was great. Like the girls, you know, were real pretty. And I just assumed it was normal to appreciate pretty naked girls. You know, why, why wouldn't you? Um, so when I was 19, my partner at the time was like, Oh, we should watch some porn together. I'm like, yes, this is like upgraded version of the dirty magazines. And his favorite porn was girl on girl porn. He put this stuff on and like instant excitement. I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. That's a thing that people do. I want to do that. Like I, I want to do that thing that those girls are doing. <laughs> He's like, wait, you're bisexual. I was like, what? There's a word for it. Now? Why did anybody ever tell me? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my. Uh, and then everybody know knew. Um, I'm one of those people that like coming out is also a weird concept for me because I'm I just talk. So like this whole like I'm gonna sit you down and explain this really challenging thing for you. Like no. Like, oh my gosh, I just figured out I'm bisexual on Facebook. Like, now everybody knows. <laughs> I guess that solves that. <laughs> yeah, if you take it hard, then I don't, that, that's on you and you have time to process it without me being in your face. So <laughs> it was that way, same way when I came out as non monogamous. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I just figured out there are people that have multiple relationships at the same time. This is the coolest thing ever. I want to do this thing. Yeah. It, pe- well. People just get used to it. <laughs> I think it's a, who I am all the time. Yeah. yeah, I think it's such a free way to live. Where you're, I would say you're not rude about it, but you're just not. You're sort of disinhibited about it. Like you're going to be you in in a respectful way, and people can either love you or not. And That's exactly it. And I, I think it's not that I'm like super in people's face, but I am unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like this has come up because I, like I said, I have family that is extremely homophobic, and I have other siblings that are queer. Um, and they have struggled with, you know, family members not accepting them, and they're like, "Well, how do you navigate it?" Because like you're even more queer than the rest of us in a lot of ways. And I'm like, I don't ever ask for their permission to be me. Like, I never asked for their opinion of me. Like, I just exist in the same space as them. And I don't really give them an opening to critique me without it making them look rude. Like, I never put them in a position of having to be like, that's too much. You've gone too far. I allowed them to. So when I've had uh, non-binary, trans, you know, women partners, and I brought them to family events, my only expectation was that my family treated them with respect as a human being. You know, and, and I never introduce people to my family in conjunction to who they are to me, 
So it's always their name. And then like some of the people would care whether or not I was in a relationship and they'd be like, Oh, is that your new girlfriend? You know? Um, and then other people would be like, Oh, you know, you clearly have brought this person to every family event for the last five years. Clearly you're with them. Um, so now they are a friend of the family, but I never set expectations for how other people interacted. Um, and I think that has helped me navigate it because I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm not asking for your permission. I'm not forcing you to confront anything, you know, openly, but you have to confront it to some degree just because I exist near you in the same space. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So when one of my siblings, uh, when she introduced her girlfriend, I was actually impressed because some of my family members that had been very resistant to acknowledging my partners were my partners before easily refer to her girlfriends as her girlfriends. So I was like, you know, just allowing people to grow in their own space without forcing them to acknowledge you has been a very successful strategy for me. Well, and it sounds like it was not just successful for you, but it helped open their mind in a way that then allowed them to be more welcoming to your sister's partners. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a pretty awesome trail to blaze for her. Yeah. It's something that I adapted from um, being in abusive situations and like recognizing that people telling me that I needed to leave abusive situations meant that I found it necessary to defend myself, my partner. And then as I'm doubling down on this, I'm not actually doing the work that I need to do to get myself out of this mindset, out of this situation. And I find that a lot of uh, like phobia, you know, phobias and, and prejudice and stuff, the same thing happens is if you confront people with it, they double down on their opinions. Um, and, you know, so people change their mind with a good debate, but I find that's few and far between and I don't have the energy to argue with everybody. <laughs> So I just exist near them as myself unapologetically and usually people learn something from it. So yeah, I love it. (laughs) Right. There's that much else you can do. Yeah. 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 Um, Along these lines and maybe just to kind of, I don't know, not kick off, but like give people a little more context. Can you also explain maybe like your relationship dynamic as it stands today? Like you said, relationship anarchy, but like, what does yeah. the current like orbit around Gabby look like? Okay. And then maybe there's a maybe there's a leaping off point there to like. Sure. Um, so for starters, I use monikers for all of my relationships um, in real life. Like this isn't even just for the podcast. And speaking of which, my husband was real disappointed that I didn't use his and that I just referred to him as my husband the entire time last time. So I have to make sure to use his this time. So <laughs> I have my husband. We've been together for five years, married for almost, well, almost five years, married for almost three. Um, his moniker is my favorite fuck um, because fuck is both a noun and a verb. And it's fun to say that. <laughs> yeah. He's my favorite fuck. Um, <laughs> It's great. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everybody always gets a kick out of it. They're like, that's so perfect. I'm like, yeah, it is. It really is. Because if you if you ever met him, he is the honoriest son bitch ever. So um and then I have various other friends with benefits. Um, let's see. There's Mr. Thrifty. Um 
more, I would say, quasi-romantic leaning relationship. Um, then there's my D&D buddy, which stands for Dinner and Dick. And it's about as simple as that name implies. Uh, though I am going to his wedding this weekend, next weekend, which is a week-long orgy before the wedding. Because they're having a Viking-themed wedding. I don't even know what to do with that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. So so many questions. (laughs) Yeah, so they rented out a Viking lodge and are going to be partying and fucking for the entire week up to the wedding. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is, we did our wedding wrong. I know. (laughs) I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Um, I'm actually cosplaying for the wedding, so. Cool. That'd be amazing. Yes. Um, and then let's see. I have my boo thing in Texas. Uh, that's a long distance relationship. Um, and then Unicorn Girl, who is more of a newer, like exploring, you know, relationship. So those are my current ones. A few like, oh, we should go on a date sometime, or I've been on one date and you know haven't talked to him in like three weeks because everybody's so busy. But those are the main ones. Those are the ones that, you know, when I'm setting my calendar, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen them in like two weeks. I should probably make a date. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And how do you balance all of them? Yeah. <laughs> with care. <laughs> that's, I, that's, work three, that's I work three jobs also. So this yeah. is not an easy task. Um, and manage the schedule for my stepson and my husband. So. My favorite fox. Sorry, he's really sad that I'm using husband right now. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, get, um, you'll get in the habit. You'll get in the habit. I'll get in the habit. I'll get in the habit. I'll break back out of it. It just got easy because, like, dealing with monogamous people, like, saying my husband is something that they recognize as an easy, easy title. Um, but, yeah, I used to be very adamant that I did not use standardized relationship titles. And then I got tired of explaining everything to everyone all the time. So (laughs) now it's just, you know, when I'm talking to non-monogamous people and I need to identify the various, you know, people. Um, You just asked me a question and I promptly forgot it. How How do you you balance? Oh, balancing. Yes. Um, So I am an adamant schedule keeper. Um, I actually use an app that's really cool. And it's a shared app. And what I will do is go in so you can have multiple calendars. And so like all the people I go on regular dates with have access to one of the particular calendars. And I call it Gabby's sexy schedule. Um, And then when I have free time that I can schedule dates, I'll put it in there and then like message them be like, Hey, I have a couple of free dates. If any of them match up with yours, then, you know, claim it. (laughs) So, and that way it's easier than just, you know, bouncing back and forth or like coming up to a day that I could have had plans, but I was waiting on one particular person to get back with me. Um, and now most of them are just in the habit where like at the beginning of the week, they'll go scroll and see if I have any free time and then message and be like, I have Wednesday free. You have Wednesday free. We should hang out. So yeah. But yeah. What's the the name of the app? Just uh, It's called family wall. It's an amazing app. Um, (laughs) I use it for, I have, uh, yeah, because I have like several different schedules. I have a schedule for me and my favorite fuck. And I have uh, one, it's called Community Events. 
And it's like uh, karaoke, going to the gay bar, like that sort of things, like just organizing groups of people. And then I have one that's with my stepson's mother so that I can help coordinate school and scouts and stuff with her. And then, yeah, then Gabby's sexy date. So, and it's, it's real nice. Um, it has like lists, like checklists and stuff. So it's great for like potlucks. It has uh, shopping lists and you can like assign them to different people, like assign different things on the checklist to different people to be responsible wow. for. So, yeah. It's a really handy app for organizing people. Yeah. Very cool. Well, yeah. thank you. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. There's a little bit so, of everything. So where, where does that take us? You said you sat in traffic all day. And I you did came, all, you, night. all night. We said all. Let's make it dramatic. All let's day. make it as as dramatic as possible. Yeah. It's <laughs> been all, all day. week, all week in traffic. It felt like it. We had Oktoberfest in downtown Cincinnati. That's part of the problem right now. Is that all the bridges across the river are congested because two of them are blocked off because of them still cleaning up from Oktoberfest. I have. I have a very interesting Oktoberfest story from Cincinnati. Maybe it will get inserted at the end of this podcast. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I went maybe six six or so years ago. Anyway, you told us at the before we started recording, <laughs> sorry this is all over the place, that you had sat in traffic and you knew exactly what you wanted to say. Yeah, and, we, and then I really... said, it probably is all gone now because I didn't write any of it down. <laughs> Well, I think I think it's not that we don't want to ask questions. We wanted to make sure that you yeah. get to share exactly what you want to share tonight because mm -hmm. it's your story and we we want to get it out there. Yeah. Um so, geez. I don't know. I don't know how to like tell a linear story. Like I just bounce all over the place from topic to topic. Um but yeah, like I've gone through several different stages where I went from only wanting the emotional intimacy more that like I cared more about the emotional intimacy than, than the sexual or physical aspects of things. Um, in fact, that was like my original foray into it was I felt like I was cutting off friendships because they became too intimate or because like physical contact desires, even if it wasn't sexual were above and beyond what was allowed <laughs> for monogamy. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. And now, now it's kind of flipped. Now I'm just like, I'm here to party and have sex and, oh yeah, let's be friends while we're at it. <laughs> and what, so, do, what but, do you think, what do you think drove that change? Healing from drama, probably a lot. Um, my husband has helped me a lot with that. So, um, yeah, like the swinging aspects helped me because I was in an environment in which I could explore and felt safe and like build trust in myself. Cause when you've had boundaries violated by people, it's really hard to even try to s like put them up because you're like, Oh, like they're just not going to pay attention anyways. Um, so having people who do, and then getting to have like really awesome experiences, is fun. Um, our first, <laughs> I have to tell you this. So our first swinging experience, the very first episode that you guys did, the couple was talking about, um, how like they drove and like met someone halfway at a, at a Airbnb. And then like, she was really unsure. 
And then, uh, like, she's talking about, like, after she gets done and, like, she goes in the bathroom to clean up and, like, she's like, oh, my God, that was the best fun I've ever had. And I was like, man, I wish I could have that. But, like, I don't know that I will. Like, I'll be happy if I don't have any, like, trauma-related, like, hiccups. That's exactly what happened, though. Like, we, we got done and I was like, oh, God, that was way fun. Like, not only did I not have any, like major trauma responses like the one time i did have to say like hey i need like some space everybody like just gave me the space i didn't feel like i was disrupting anything like it was just the best yeah i mean i was i was in a good spot so um i had a little bit of like claustrophobia panic because it's the best scenario ever i (laughs) (laughs) i was i was uh performing oral on the girl and while the guy was fucking her. So I literally had two sets of genitals in my face and then it started to close in a little bit more than I wanted it to. Yeah, um, I can get a little cozy in there. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, um, so I'm one of those people that, um, will go, has a habit of going nonverbal if I, if I have a trauma trigger. So I'll tap out like it's an actual like, uh, wrestling ring. So I'll just like start tapping. <laughs> like that's my like Gabby can't talk, but let me up. <laughs> stop. Um, so which neither of them caught it, but my husband was uh he was like laying on the other bed watching everything, you know, uh playing around a little, and then like he saw it and he's like, Time out, Gabby needs a timeout. And then like I popped up and I'm like, <gasps> you know, panicking, and they're like, Are you okay? And I was like, I just need like let me tag Robin and sit over here and watch for a while, and you guys have fun. And they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just need a breather. And they're like, okay. And like, everybody went back to having fun. And then it was great to not feel disruptive of everything going on. Cause that was always one of my fears is that like, I was going to have a reaction to something and like, it was going to ruin everyone's night, you know? So then it wasn't just me having an issue. Now everybody has an issue, but it was such a non-issue that I think that helped relieve a lot of stress. <clears throat> Yeah, so well, when it, it goes when it goes smoothly like that, it helps like solidify like okay, I can do this. Yeah, and, like I can say. Yeah, and I've surrounded myself at this point with people who are extremely respectful. Who you know, um, I know what to look for now. Um, it, like for people that are likely to be disrespectful or violate boundaries. Um, so part of it has been just me learning how to sort. How to, how to sort partners <laughs> or potential partners. Um, yeah. Cause I used to be like, yeah, I'm demisexual. Like, unless I have a high emotional connection, like no, nothing sexual. That is not even close to true for me. It's just, it was a trauma response because I had to trust people, you know, before I could let down my guard enough to be physical. But now, now I go to, you know, orgy weddings and <laughs> it'll actually be okay so this coming weekend i have a group of friends that are going up to the club in columbus princeton Mm -hmm. uh and so we're planning on having an orgy there so that'll be my first like real orgy like not just like swinging or like small like three or four people um yeah because this was like four couples and then a couple of single women and yeah that's and exciting. so, and so then yeah, it's, I'm super stoked. I'm super yeah. stoked. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm and so I'm curious then, like the the evolution, the evolution, the progression from 
having your husband there, your your favorite fuck there, yes. to help recognize the tap, the tap out, to going to a, a, a Viking orgy wedding. Is this like? Are you? Do you feel safer doing that because these are trusted entities, and that maybe there is somebody there that can recognize that? Because if you go nonverbal, and you're in a group of people that don't know that or don't recognize that, like that's that can be a scary place to be. Yeah. Um, so much like someone in the BDSM community would communicate what a safe word is, it's something that I'm like, hey, like you know, I might have an issue and not be able to verbalize it. So like, if I start tapping out, like, and, and it's, it's a pretty dramatic, like mm-hmm. emphatic, like most yep. people are going to stop and back up and be like, Whoa, like, is everything okay to begin with? Um, but yeah, I, I just use it as part of communication before I engage with people. Same as I would, like, I expect you to wear a condom. Like, you yep. know, it's, it's just part of the process, but being comfortable enough in myself that I can handle communi- for one, communicating these things and forcing them, right? So like if I'm doing this and you're not paying attention, you're not like just being able to at this point feel like I am justified in getting a little more physically forceful, pushing you off of me, you know, um, something like that. And yeah, there will be people there that know me in this context because um, both my D&D buddy and my boo thing from Texas will be there. So um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's important, like what you said, is that you you now incorporate, and I, like no fault of your own, right, that the first time you did this, maybe you didn't have that conversation with these people, like, yeah. hey, this is a thing that happens, and this is how I react, and this is my safe, you know, my safe word is a, is, is a physical thing. Yeah. You probably didn't even know to, to, to discuss that before that, but it sounds no. like now that's part of your pre uh pre-activity speech which it I is love. and and it came it came about after a particularly <sighs> traumatic i guess um learning experience um so we met a couple on uh SZC uh swingers on central um seemed like a nice couple we've been group chatting with them for a while uh, agreed to meet up with them for drinks um and made it very clear, like, we don't play on the first. And, th- and this was, like, early on when, when we were starting the swinging thing. Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We don't either. So we met up for drinks. Um, my favorite fuck was going to drive home. So he hadn't been drinking. And then they're like, hey, like, you guys are really cool. You should come over to our place so he can drink. Um, we have an, a guest bedroom you guys can stay in and like reiterated again at that point that like, we don't play on a first meet. Um, I have to take some time to get comfortable with people. Um, so things escalated. The gentleman got very intoxicated. I was laying down on the couch. Um, cause I just get really tired sometimes and was just laying there like chit chatting and he came, comes and lays down next to me, which was fine. But then he started groping and like, I like kept taking his hand and removing it and he was, he just kept doing it. And so then I freaked out and I like, I couldn't say anything. And like my husband's making out with, you know, the woman and not paying attention. And like, finally I was able to like roll off the couch and then like run to the kitchen in a panic. Um, so like, 
looking back at that and like realizing what I could have done to help set up the entire situation better, um, was something that I, that I really looked into. And yeah. And that was kind of a turning point for me also, because, uh, my favorite fuck was like, you know, I have your back, whatever you want to do. Like you, we can either like sober up and go home and we never have to talk to these people again. Like you never even have to look at this guy again. Um, or we can stay the night and you can try to, you know, discuss it with them in the morning, you know, cause it doesn't matter how drunk he is. Like if someone is removing your hands from them, you should not be putting them back there. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah. you probably shouldn't have put them there without asking in the first place. Um, so he's like, I have your back. Um, whatever you, like whatever you need to do for you, I have your back. And like being able to genuinely make that decision for myself as to whether I wanted to walk away from a situation or confront it was, was helpful. I ended up staying and talking to them and he got the, the other gentleman got mad and his wife got mad at me. But it didn't didn't end so well. It didn't end so well, but it, it taught me a lot. You know, and just, and just having experiences like that. And I think for me, being able to interact in this way has grown. Okay. As I have grown to trust myself and my instincts and my ability to read people and interact with people, then a lot of the fears and anxieties around this sort of thing disappears because I trust myself, right? Like if someone gets too rough or whatever, like I am capable of defending myself. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm not a child. I'm not a teenager. I'm not, you know, in a situation where someone else has total control of me like in the past. So, you know, I'm a much different person and that translates to now I am a proper slut. (laughs) it it was crazy okay so it was crazy so like ever since i've i met my husband i'm like yeah i am secretly a slut on the inside like totally and he's like i don't see it like i don't see it you're way too like i have to get attached to people like before and i was like it's a trust thing like you don't understand like this is a trauma thing and he's like yeah i think that you just have an idea of yourself that isn't accurate so So I don't know what happened over COVID. Like I built up my self-confidence a lot. I think part of it was like, I started my own business and I was successful and I just was, was feeling myself. And I came out of COVID and I went on three first dates and did something very unprecedented. The first one, I fucked them. Okay. Well, that was fun. Like that was new. Uh, Two days later, went on another date and fucked them on a first date. Cool. And then it happened again in like four more days. And I was like, yep, I am officially a slut. <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> yeah. And then my favorite fuck's like, oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. Um, you really are a slut. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and, and like, first of all, that's amazing. Um, I'm, I think when you said trust, it sounds like the biggest person you had to figure out how to trust was you, not necessarily yes. the, Absolutely. the other people. Absolutely. And, and I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize affects a lot of non-monogamy. And, I mean, it affects most of your life, but non-monogamy in particular is that you have to trust yourself. For one, you have to trust yourself that you're capable of handling anything that happens to you, right? Like, even if I am the most cautious person ever, I could still get assaulted again. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so that, that isn't something I can completely eliminate, but I have to trust for one that if it happens, I am totally capable of handling it. Like nobody can break me. You can't, you can't do it. People have tried. It, it, it can't happen. Um, and then I had to trust that like, I was capable of putting good people in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was capable of picking people that were healthy for me, that were positive, that, that contributed positive things to my life that treated me with respect and that I, you know, that I didn't have to allow disrespect. So yeah, learning to trust my decisions and my intuitions and myself in general, um, was, a, was a big deal. And, and yeah. the more, the more I've been able to do that, the more I've realized that like every fear that I have is tied up in lack of trust of myself. Um, Cause, uh, so my favorite fuck had a couple of people in his life at one point that I wasn't necessarily a fan of. I found them to be not very honest and to found them to have betrayed trust of several people. And I just, you know, I just didn't trust them. Um, and like one of them had cheated on her partner with her best friend's boyfriend and two other people. And then when I was like, well, why don't you just try to have an open relationship? She's like, oh, he won't. And I want to marry him, but I have to be myself. So this is what I'm going to continue doing. And then she, yeah. yeah. And then, and then like, he's still friends with her because, you know, he's known her for a very long time. And I was like, yeah, well, like, I don't want to interact with her anymore. And then he's like, well, do I need to stop being friends with her? And I was like, why? I trust you. And even more importantly, I trust me. Like, if you make a decision, like, for one, she can't do anything. You would have to make a decision to do something to betray my trust, right? Like, you would have to do that. She can't force you to do that, um, for one. And I trust you. For two, even when that, I trust myself. Like, if you do betray me... <sighs> I'll learn something from it and I'll move on. Like it's going to suck a lot if you ever do it, but I'm not easily destructible. So, you know, and, and realizing that most of the things you struggle with is a lack of faith in yourself has helped me a lot. That's huge. Yeah, no, it's really powerful. And I, I, for people who are trying to figure out how to trust themselves, like, do you have any, like, is it just a jerk? That's a big question. But do you have any, question. have any tips of like how to, how to go about that? Like learning, learning that skill. Or how did it, how did it come about for you? Like, yeah, I assume this question. was an overnight thing. Like when it you was became not, bisexual. <laughs> it, was not, it, was, it was not like being bisexual. Um, it, it has happened in stages. Um, I've been rebuilding trust in myself since I was 17. Um, I left home. My life was hell. Got myself into even worse situations. And the only person I could depend on was myself. So I learned... In that sense, I learned to trust that I was capable of handling anything, but I most definitely didn't trust my ability to choose good people because I wasn't. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think part of it was just finding someone who was trustworthy that helped me establish trust. I don't know that it's something that I could have just done for myself and learned and got to this point. 
Yeah, um, like the practice of yeah. trying to find people. Well, because for me, for me, um, and and I might have said this on the last one. Um, mo- things like love and trust are as much a choice as they are an emotion, right? Because. there are days that I want to smother my favorite fuck with a pillow because he has danced all over my last nerve. And I'm like, yeah, but you love him. And it's not that I feel like warm and fuzzy and bubbly and, you know, butterflies. It is, you know, I consistently make a choice to choose things to build my life with him and build my relationship with him with respect and love. And I think a lot of trust is the same way. Like you have to say, I don't see the trust, but I'm choosing to act in trust. Which, especially for me, was as someone with borderline personality disorder, like learning that trust was an action as much as a feeling, because feeling that I trust people is not is not something that I that I frequently instinctively go to including myself and I and I think that learning to remind myself to act in trust of other people then reminded me to act in trust of myself um and then it just became more of a habit and the more of a habit it became the more I was able to experiment and I don't know. It, it's if we talked about the book Polysecure last time, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when she talks about in the very first chapter, when she talks about like how kids are not willing to explore their surroundings if they're not in a secure relationship mm-hmm. style, um, I think that having a secure relationship with my favorite fuck has really helped me be able to explore everything else because it doesn't really matter how chaotic everything else gets. Like we have such a solid, stable relationship and it's gotten to the point where like, even if he wasn't there, like I could put people in my life to build more solid, stable relationships as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, yeah, I think sometimes it just boils down to like the people in your life teaching you things. And unfortunately, I don't know. I, I don't have advice on how I found him. <laughs> no, I, I think what you shared is perfect. Like that, that your, your experience and um, sometimes it is just finding those people. Yeah. And learning, learning to trust, right. Yeah. Learning, learning through situations where but maybe taking those chances. Yeah. That, that your trust has in the past been broken in a similar situation. And now this is happening with this person and your trust wasn't broken and then it wasn't broken again. And then it wasn't broken again. And you start to learn that like, this is what it should feel like, what it should look like. Um, so in therapy, one of the things they teach you for trauma is controlled exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think that has been a lot of it for me, like putting myself in an environment that is terrifying, but that I know up here is safe. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like the swinging, right? Like, I know this is a safe environment. If anyone tried to harm me in this situation, my favorite fuck would probably try to rip them limb from limb. Okay. (laughs) Like he is a primal and he would probably try to rip them limb from limb. Um, so this is an extremely safe environment, but it's still terrifying, right? Because I still have those trauma triggers that are warning me that this is a dangerous environment external of my, my conscious thought process. 
Um, so that, that was part of what the swinging was for us was just, it's a known safe environment, you know, um, so that I can navigate better enforcing my boundaries. People are far less likely to break them with him present, you know, even if they wanted to. Um, so yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it was, was being conscientious of controlled exposure to get over a lot of things. And did that open the door then to you being able to go out and explore on your own, mm-hmm. not necessarily with him by your side? Cause you just said like people are a lot less uh, willing or r- willing to take that risk to break your boundaries if he's there. And so at that point at which you start trusting yourself, does that open up the doors for you to explore on your own without him there? It does. And I started noticing which people like green flags, I think is what they call them. Like things that people do to establish that they are taking respect and consent into account to begin with. Um, and then those are the people that I interact with, you know, um, like my, my D and D buddy, like the first time I met him, I was there with a group of friends Um, and it was like a whole bunch of non-monogamous people. And I was like up dancing and like, he came up to dance. And then like one of my other guy friends comes over and was trying to dance. My D and D buddy's like, Oh, Hey, I'm not stepping on any toes here. Am I like, you know, like I'm really interested. We can exchange numbers and talk later, but like, I don't like, I don't want to be disrespectful. And I was like, Hey, you know, like on the dance floor, like that was a really big consideration, you know, and just like over the course of the night, like a couple of things like that happened. And I was like, okay, like this is somebody I would like to talk to. And then like when things, you know, got to the, got to the, the second D part of it, the dick <laughs> part of it, like just like the care with the conversation about like hard limits and like things I was into and like it, it helps me know that people are thinking in a consent thought process, you know, if people are conscientious of things like asking if it's okay to give you a hug or, you know, asking if it's respectful for them to dance with you on the dance floor, then they're operating instinctively from a consent standpoint. And those are the kind of people that I am most comfortable interacting with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. Those are the type of people you should find. And, and those are the assholes find. that aren't going to grope you yeah. on the couch. Huh? Yeah, those, those are the ones are, that are not going to grope me on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> After you remove their hands five times. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say on that, and I, I wanted to circle back on that quickly, because you made the comment that like you thought a lot about how you could set that situation up differently. Mm-hmm. I think that's a super important thing, but also like to recognize that like it wasn't it wasn't your fault that it happened, right? And I, I, I took away that you you yeah. know that. But yeah, the- I mean, I, I yeah, I confronted the person later. Like, hey, it doesn't matter how drunk you are. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, you should have asked before you even put your hands on me. And for two, after I removed them from my breasts, then for you to try to stick your hand on my pants instead is is not cool. Like right. that's not that's not even close to cool. <laughs> that's not right. close to cool. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and I went from like being nonverbal to the last time I had an issue with someone threatening to cut off their balls. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I, I prefer consent over having my balls cut off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, well, he kind of, 
it, it's back to the whole, like, it's a lot safer when my husband's there. And I do not like men who only respect me when he's there. And I had had issues with this person getting slightly touchy feely with me mm -hmm. um, while intoxicated. But like, it was more like hand over the shoulder, like touching a boob or like around the back, like slide it out, not straight up groping, but like, really, bro? Like, this is teenage behavior. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I generally just kind of try to avoid him at parties. And he's one of those people that people keep inviting to events, even though nobody likes him. Like, why does everybody have these, like, quasi-rapey stories? And, like, no, he's still invited to all these events. Um, so, apparently he talked to my favorite fuck and he's like, why doesn't Gabby like me? And, and, and he explained, he's like, you know, she has trauma issues and she has to trust people. So, like, you have to build her trust, like, have actual conversations with her. Don't just, you know, drape your arm around her and try to, you know, cop a feel every time you see her. So, I was at the, the swinger club with some friends and um, he was there. And did I tell this story last time? No. Okay. I know I've told the story recently. I wasn't sure if it was on here. Um, so he comes up to me and he's like, oh my gosh, like Rob told me that you've been assaulted before. I'm so sorry if I've ever done anything to trigger you. Like, I'll make sure to ask before I touch you again. And I was like, well, that's great of you. Like now that you realize that, but like you should have been asking the entire time. So maybe this is a lesson for you. Like don't touch women. Assume all of them have been assaulted and are traumatized by it. Okay. Like this and ask. Yeah. Um, so like give him a hug, like I'm feeling a lot better about it. I'm like, oh, he, like he's, you know, he's changing his ways and we're shaping up. So, um, have a great night. I'm getting ready to leave. Um, go do my rounds of hugs, find him, tell him bye. He's sitting in the smoke room and I come up, like lean over, give him a hug. And he's like, we don't do hugs around here. We do this and grabs me literally by the pussy. What? Yeah. And... I did not go nonverbal. I cussed him out in the middle of the smoke shack. <sighs> yeah. And then left. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So fast forward about two months. I haven't seen him since. I'm at a house party. He was apparently there and had been there before. I was already drunk. Right. And, and, and my favorite fuck was there this time too, but he was off like, you know, chit chatting with friends and stuff. And so I'm standing in the kitchen talking to the host and he comes in and he's like, hands up, Gabby. I don't want Rob to kick my ass if I do anything to you. And that was, that pissed me off, right? Like, because it shouldn't just be because somebody who is attached to me that is bigger than you is here. And <laughs> I went like full blown, like dominatrix. I was like, let's get one thing straight. He is not who you should be afraid of. I am. I was like, I know that balls are weak and sensitive and I know how to handle a knife. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> and he goes, oh God. Um, yep, hands are still up. <laughs> I just walked away. Yeah. Jeez. That's and then I'm assuming that's the last you've interacted with him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, wow. I, I won't go to parties if he's RSVP'd. I think he eventually got kicked out of the group, but yeah, there were so many stories because like anytime I would be like, oh, is this person coming? And they'd be like, yeah, I don't know who invited him, but like, you know, I was, you know, 
I was having, you know, I was fucking this guy and like my eyes were closed and all of a sudden I had a dick in my mouth and I assumed it was my husband and I opened my eyes and it was him. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> why, why is he still invited? Like that's like beyond quasi rapey. Like that's straight up rapey at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, we need to protect our communities from people like this. Like, why are we still inviting them to parties right. so that, you know, people like Gabby have to threaten to cut off their balls. Well, and regardless of past traumas, like that, none of that behavior is. No, even, it's not acceptable in any context. It, it, it would not be close. acceptable to treat someone who has never even remotely been the victim of violence in their entire life that way. Like, no, consent is extremely important to me. Like, yeah. there are women that have been to my Halloween parties that I do not invite back because they think that it's okay for women to get handsy, you know? And I'm like, no, consent is a thing. And it doesn't matter what's between your legs or what you identify as. If you're not asking people before you put your hands on them, you are not welcome in my space. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't tolerate it. Basic consent. Yeah. No, and we appreciate the the detailed overview of it because it's it is hugely important. And and if there's somebody listening that's thinking like, oh well, I've done some of those things, like stop. <laughs> like those are not those are not okay things. And yeah, nobody's perfect. And no. like I'm not the kind of person. One of my dearest friends was dating one of my my former friends and he was what 21 22 at the time him and i the third time i ever met him had a knockdown drag out yelling match because i found out he'd been taking pictures up under my skirt he is now one of my best friends and is avid about consent and avid about why because like somebody confronted him when he was being a total douche like <laughs> you had unacceptable behaviors somebody held you accountable for them you chose to learn from them and now we can be friends. Like, I don't expect people to, like, pop out the womb perfect, you know? Like, I expect people to learn. Like, that's yeah. the one thing that I ask from anyone who is in my life is, can you learn? Because if you can learn and grow, we can be friends. Like, yeah. that's that's literally, I'm not, I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm the furthest thing from perfect. Um, I look for people who are willing to grow with me. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's all I ask. Yeah. I love that. That's, I mean, that's, we're all a, a byproduct of our experience in life and who we are. Like, yeah. you know, we are who we are, but we're also influenced by how we um, are raised and what our experiences are. And we're not perfect and things happen. Yeah. And, the access to like, what information you have. And like a lot of mm -hmm. men are taught like this whole like pursue, 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 pursue. Like the girls are playing coy, like pursue, pursue, yeah. pursue. And that um, may be all they know. Yeah, like, like, so even my favorite fuck, one of our first, our first kiss, like I had told him no, and, and he decided that I was playing coy and did it anyways. And I chewed his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, he's learned a lot over five years about consent, but, you know, breaking out, like being called out on a behavior that you didn't even realize was unacceptable. Right? Like, he's like, well, no. Like, I've done that before. Nobody's ever said that it was a bad thing. And I was like, whether they thought it was or wasn't. 
Like if they're playing coy and telling you no, and then you're violating that for one, like, how do you trust that they're saying what they actually want? Right? Like that breaks down trust to begin with. Like I have to communicate what I want to you. And if I'm playing coy or playing games, like, is that really someone you want to be with? Like, if they can't speak up for themselves and say, you know, what they want honestly and expect you to play, like, head games of guessing when no means no and when it doesn't, you're setting everyone up for failure. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for sharing all of that. No, it's, it's yeah, it's hugely important. So thank you. And, and I think not to, like, gloss over some of the harder conversations, but – I oh think no, we're would, here for fun today. We're glossing over yeah. as much of the harder. I know. I I'm don't trying. know how to do small talk. I'm oh, sorry. Hey, My stories get real the, intense really quickly. <laughs> it's all good. We're not are, good at small talk either. You are talking to somebody who hates small talk beyond belief. So totally cool with it. But I know today you wanted to be uh the funnest gabby you could be and and that doesn't mean these other things i know they're they're super cute (laughs) so i had a question yes uh apart from the upcoming pending viking orgy wedding yes what is maybe your top one or two best experiences you've ever had whether it be swinging or dating whatever comes to mind when i say Best experience ever and non-monogamy. <sighs> Probably one of the best experiences ever was coming out of COVID and then literally meeting someone, asking them on a date two days later. Uh, this is my boo thing in Texas. So met her at an event because she's there with some of the friends. And um, she... She was headed back to Texas in three days. And like, we really hit it off. Like you could not pry our lips apart. Like the entirety of the time at the bar, like nobody else existed. Um, and then I asked her on a date, which is big for me because I, you know, I have up to this point done the stereotypical, like, I don't know what to do with women. I'm a bisexual. What do I do with women? And then now I'm like, no, no, um, I've developed a lot of communication skills. I'm going to be a lady killer, right? Like I can, I can pull in guys like nobody's business. I'm pretty sure I could do it with the girls too. If I just put in a little bit of effort, like this is easy market, right? There's not many of us that are lady killers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I asked her on a date and she's like, Oh, this is the first time a girl's ever asked me on a date. Let's go. Um, so then it was great because like, I felt really like, I realized at that point that I, I was clearly feeling more confident in myself. Right. And then like we went out and then like ended up having sex on the first date. And I'm not sure how much of it was that there seemed to be a sense of urgency because she was literally, she literally kicked me out so she could pack to go get on her plane. Like literally said, Gabby, you have to leave now. It's four o'clock in the morning. My flight leaves at six. Like, <laughs> get out so I can go. Um, and like just feeling so confident and sure of myself and able to navigate it, like, made that such a good experience. Like, not second guessing myself. I mean, and she's she's a blast, anyways. Like, she's so much fun. Um, 
but yeah, that was probably one of my best experiences to date. Like just being able to have spontaneous, you know, go with the flow, sexual interactions. Mm-hmm. Probably one of my favorite, and 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 probably the first time that that my husband and I had a actual swinging uh, experience. Yeah, so there was some friends of ours that we had met at a couple of parties and then we got a hotel room and, uh, the guy was, he got stuck working late. Um, so he's like, Oh, she can go. And like, she has freedom to do whatever she wants. So it ended up being like a threesome first round, just me and her and, and my favorite fuck. And then he showed up and it was round two and it was great. It was so great. Um, I, I like, I didn't realize, <sighs> You know, you, you recognize that fantasies are some level of like the excitement in your brain is probably not going to be matched in real life. You know, (laughs) you okay? I'm okay. For anybody who doesn't know what just happened, I muted myself and sneezed and it startled Gabby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gabby. It was startling because I saw you sneeze and didn't hear anything. And I was like, did he implode? Because... No noise sneezes are a bad deal. Right? No, it was it was loud. Okay. I can confirm this. No imploding. We're good. Um, yeah, so like just realizing that it was actually ever bit as sexy as I had made it out to be in my head, you know, like uh probably the sexiest thing ever happened was so I had clearly eaten her out several times, you know, how to tap out cause too many genitals in the face. And, you know, um, so then like, <sighs> we had a condom issue in that we allowed the girl at the sex store to recommend condoms. And the ones she recommended were too small for both of the gentlemen involved. So it ended up being a soft swap situation. Um, and so at one point, like, we're on one no we're on the floor in front of the mirror and then they're on the bed so like we can both see each other couples because like the mirror's right at the end of the bed it was great and then like so i'm like half watching half you know just enjoying myself and next thing i know he the gentleman from the other couple comes over and he goes i don't think you've had enough of her you need to taste her off my dick and like just shoves his dick in my mouth i'm like god that was the sexiest thing ever to fucking happen to me oh my god (laughs) it was great and then you know the end of it like i i did my usual weird thing and i was like oh because like it was like a literally like the equivalent of a wave in the stadium of orgasms like you and her like hitting her peak and then like i'm a very verbal stimulated person like i'll just play porn in the background just for the noise because it gets me going uh so then like that triggered me so then i started going and then you hear him and then (laughs) it's like like a wave of orgasms and of course like i broke all the sexy mood by busting up laughing because that's what popped in my head um (laughs) and and just to just to follow on that like his his approach there worked because consent had been established correct correct yeah i mean like yeah like i'd already i'd already had his dick in my mouth i'd already had her vagina in my mouth like and like and it wasn't like just my eyes were closed and stick a dick in my mouth like he was communicating and then he's like i don't think you've had enough of her you need to and then like i clearly opened my mouth and be like ah 
you know, yes, mm-hmm. please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me have some more of all of this. <laughs> right. That, that was an opportunity to say, no, thank you. I have had enough. Right. If, yeah. if that's what you were feeling. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I just thought yeah. it was important for somebody listening who was like, well, hey, wait, why can this guy stick his dick in her mouth? But this one can't. And like, that's well, the reason. Yeah. Like consent <laughs> is a very, uh, is a very nuanced thing. Right. Um, Cause one of the issues that I have with, with house parties and stuff and interacting with p- new people in particular in that sort of setting is that most people need to be intoxicated to socialize or high to socialize. And I am not comfortable engaging with a high level of being under the influence. And so usually I'll be like, man, like I was really attracted to you. And if we'd had a conversation about boundaries and consent, like maybe before you got drunk, this might've been fine, but we didn't. And yes, I know that your significant other is saying sober so that you don't have any of your boundaries violated, but I wouldn't want just to like my, my husband's not going to know every little thing that triggers me. Right. Like there's so much nuance and context, you know, physical limitations, you know, exhaustion level. Like there's so many different factors that he is incapable of taking into consideration. Um, not to mention like he just loves to watch. So he'd probably be like, yeah, have fun. Gabby, I'll have fun. I'll have fun. We'll have fun. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the the consent with intoxication is a big issue in in lifestyle parties for me. I uh, I think it's a big issue for a lot of people for both. Yeah, people. and and I think I think it, it limits my like spontaneous. Um, I I have a friend though. Um, we'll call her Dancing Queen. Um, she's like a platonic cuddle buddy. Um, not official, but like yeah. She's cool. Um, like, she's like, I prefer to walk into a party, find, like, the sexiest person in the place that I want to fucking get it over with before people are drunk. She's like, I haven't met very many guys that if you point at them and say, I want to fuck you, are going to be like, nope. <laughs> she's like, they'll go. Like, oh, we're doing this early? I don't even have to wait for people to be drunk. Let's go. I was like, it seems like a good strategy to avoid the whole you know, everybody waits till midnight when they've had one shot too many and yeah. Plus no small talk. (laughs) No small talk. Like, uh, she she likes guys with six packs. So she's like, I look around for the guy with the best six pack and then like, go fuck him. It's like a strat. (laughs) That's that's your strategy. If you know what you like and you know how to get it. Yeah. You do. Yeah. I, I would say that would probably work with men far more than it would with women. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she's straight, so like that's all she's concerned about. Yeah. And and women are the ones that I find tend to need to be drunk to be social. Like that I have had let me rephrase that because it sounds really sexist. The more issues I have had with people wanting to interact while very under the influence have been with women. Mm-hmm. Men under the influence, I probably didn't want to interact with them in the first place, and then they're just being Gropey. Yeah. That is also a big issue. Yeah. Unfortunately. Totally. Yeah. We've we've uh come up against that ourselves. Yeah. So um I was curious not to again change the subject, but we keep like we keep circling back to consent and we circle on it and then 
That's fine. It's okay. I will I will have circular conversations all the time. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, consent is such a big issue. It's such a big it uh, concern and something that's really good to talk about. So I'm glad we keep coming back to it. Um, but I was curious, yeah. moving forward, like what are some adventures that you're excited to have? Besides the Viking sex oh, yeah. wedding, time. orgy, skydiving event. Good caveat. We're not skydiving, but there, no, there was- might be psychedelics involved. <laughs> well, so you might. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows where you go during Who knows that where you go? We'll just we'll just imagine <laughs> skydiving. Um oh boy. Um I don't know. Like I'm excited to go back to house parties again now that I have more confidence and now that I feel way more comfortable approaching women. Like um two weeks ago I had more dates with women on my calendar than men and I was like, oh, my lady killer instincts are coming out. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I've just gotten real smooth with the ladies. That's awesome. I know. I like. I have to tell you. So, uh, one of my guy friends is like, yeah. So, have you met my new girlfriend? Like, she really likes girls. I think you'll like her. You should. Uh, you you, sh- you should try to get a date. So I literally just like pick up my phone because I'm already friends with her on Facebook because I'd seen her like in groups a couple of times, but I never really interacted with her. And it was like, hey, uh, so-and-so tells me that if I play my cards right, I might be able to score a date with a pretty girl. And then I sent a little gif of like a girl like coyly hiding behind a hand of cards. And it says, will you pretty please go on a date with me? And I was like, God, I'm so smooth. This is the fun side of Gabby. I'm so smooth. <laughs> and then, and then I tell, okay, so yes, she said, yes, we went on a date. I was supposed to have a date with her yesterday, but she had an assignment for work that she was running or for school that she was running behind. Uh, so we didn't get to go to Renfair, but whatever. She will also be at the wedding. Um, so I use that story because I'm talking to one of my other my other friends that I know is bisexual, and um, like I'm telling that story because I'm like, so how how smooth are you? Like this is how smooth I am, and she's like, dang, Abby, you need to teach me your ways, and I'm like, only if you go on a date with me, and she's like, dang, you are smooth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like yes, I was the most smooth. Taking notes over here. I know, right. <laughs> It's funny because my favorite fuck originally his plan for me was for me to be his wingman because I'm such a raging extrovert. Um, uh, Mr. Thrifty the other day was like, Gabby, um, so we've decided that if we bring any more people into our poly circle, they need to have practical applications. We need a mechanic, a plumber, an electrician, um, an IT guy. Yeah, yeah. you got to round it out. Um, yeah, like he's an accountant. Like he's like, I was like, so wait, what's what's my role in in the group, right? Like I, being cute is not, you know. And he's like, uh, you're the recruiter. Why do you think I'm telling you this? <laughs> <laughs> And it's actually very true. Uh, one of my nicknames amongst my friend groups is the Friendstigator. Because mm-hmm. I've walked into my friends' parties and all of my other friends were there that I had introduced them to. And I'm forever seeing like people that I've introduced to other people like, oh, we're having lunch at this place. And I'm like, what? 
you only know them because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, the yeah. one that matched you. I up. am yeah. the friendstigator. Yeah. Hey, not a bad thing to be. No, that's awesome to be. Yeah. I, I am I am a a hard E extrovert. Like if I get left alone by myself for too long, I turn to like the wiltiest flowers. So we could talk for hours. We could. <laughs> And yeah, we definitely, I, I'm real bad about that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. I think you said at the beginning of the last one, you call yourself Gabby for a reason, and we love it. Yes. So, yes, we could talk all night, but we wanted to give you the opportunity to share anything that we didn't bring up or talk about that you wanted to get out there. Um, we wanted to give you the floor to do that, and then we will bid you farewell since we know you've been in traffic since last Wednesday. <laughs> I know. Last um, Wednesday. And we can imagine you're exhausted. um i don't know probably the only thing i would say to anyone is just enjoy it enjoy the process you know it's easy to get tied up in what you're not doing right or you're you're not enjoying or what's hard but like learning to enjoy the process is part of the fun you know the ups and the The ups and the downs you know Yeah. Um, some of the strongest friendships I forged were through, through trial, lots of trial, you know? Um, and if I didn't have that process, then I wouldn't have these really amazing people in my life. Um, so yeah, looking for, looking for what's going right instead of what could potentially go wrong is the best way to navigate everything, especially non-monogamy, right? Because there's so many fears and so many anxieties and so many what-ifs and and so many big looming things that, you know, just finding one thing that went right is usually all it takes. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) And I love that mentality too of like searching or focusing on what what could go right versus what could go wrong. I think that that's a really – I don't know. It's a positive way to look at it, right? It's a good habit to get in. So um, I've had depression and probably going to have to give trigger warnings on both of these episodes because it talks so much about mental health and trauma and shit. Um, But I struggled being suicidal as a teenager in particular and through my early 20s. it never really goes away, but it's not as bad now because I found, you know, coping skills. And one of those was every night before I lay down and go to sleep, like the last thing I thing I think about before I go to sleep is, you know, you wanted to end it so many times. What happened today that was worth sticking around for today? And even on the worst days of my life, there's always one reason that I'm glad I stuck around for today. You know, I mean, and then there are days that I'm like, there wasn't anything about today that wasn't worth sticking around for. Like, this is the best day of my life to date, you know, but I think that just being in the habit of doing that, even when everything's going perfect, then it, like, cause it's, it's such a habit for me when I go to bed, like, you know, like I've, I've ended up in the hospital for attempts before. Like, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm here, you know? And, and the worst days have something that was worth sticking around for, even if it was a lesson, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. That yeah. That's, um, a, I appreciate you sharing everything you did and especially that part too. Yeah. Um, 
And for for coming on to the show not once but twice. Yeah. And for sharing some of the most powerful stories we've ever put out there and some of the most lighthearted and fun ones as well. So we we appreciate everything you've given to us and our community as a whole. So thank you. Yes. And I hope that, you know, if people are in Cincinnati, I get to see them at events. Yeah. yeah. And if you guys do me in Green Columbus, I'll come see you. You can count on it. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank I you will. again. And we'll be in touch. Okay. And we're back. A huge, huge thank you to Gabby for coming on the show again a second time, being vulnerable with us, sharing so many fun stories, and just being a wonderful part of the community. Yeah, a huge thank you, Gabby. We appreciate it, and we look forward to part three. Right. Which we know is going to happen. We want to hear about that Viking orgy wedding. (laughs) Yes. So we will have to bring you back for that. That's a special episode, I think. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. We'll see. All right. We uh, wanted to quickly remind everybody that if you want to stay informed, up to date about all of the events we have going on, head over to our website, sign up for our mailing list. You will get very few notific- no, very few emails. Right. We don't spam you. No, they're important emails with just the information about our upcoming events. Yes. So do that. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> And don't disappoint us by not doing it. Right. Go do it. Additionally, if you don't want to disappoint us, we highly, highly... Good segue. I know. Highly (laughs) recommend you get tested for STIs, especially if you're out meeting other people in the real world. The way that Emma and I do this is we use a service called stdcheck.com. They are an affiliate partner of the show, and we have used them for years. We absolutely love it. It's fast, it's easy, it's discreet, and it's affordable. Mm -hmm. You save $10 if you use the links on our show. It supports us, and with that discount, it costs about $130 to get a 10-panel test, which is a deal and a half. That's $13 per test. Right? Right? Yeah. I think if we break it down. I think Very simple math. (laughs) Didn't even need my calculator. (laughs) I love it. So if you want to be smart like me, go and get tested. (laughs) Like us. I know you did that math, but come on. If you want to be smart like us. <laughs> Thank you. Go and get tested for STIs. And we greatly appreciate you supporting the show and supporting the community by knowing your status and talking about it. Yep. With that, we have an interview next week. You surprise, would not, surprise. You would not believe it. Uh, next Wednesday, we have an interview with Red and Jay. You're going to want to come back and listen to that in a week. I agree. And with that, uh, I think that's it. Yes. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.